she changed it. She used to say, this meeting is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's so awesome. we're going to put Carl's story. And then I'll have to change it to public. It's going to say um, it's preparing the live stream, but I guarantee you right now we're streaming live. Okay. Yeah, there yeah. we are. And and <laughs> it's not like uh, um I get like three people, you know. Um, oh. So now, okay. see, now I will edit the post and I will tag you in it. All right. All right. Sometimes it takes a minute. I hope it lets me tag you. I'm going to try your last name. There you are. All right, I'm going to put Carl's story. There we go. All right, so you should be tagged in it. All right, so of course we have Nicola on already. So, okay. okay, sweet. So there's that. And we're already recording. So are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. And I'm trying so hard not to sniff because my allergies just exploded. Just yeah, and, and typical, you know, addict behavior. It's like, I just need something. I find the kids liquid Benadryl. I'm like, looks good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Recovery Scene. I'm your host, Leslie. Make sure that you like and subscribe. And of course, share whether you're watching us on the YouTube or on the live. Um, tonight's guest is, and this is so awesome. You guys know that there are some guests where it's like the two of us try so hard to make this happen. And one thing or another or whatever keeps getting in the way. And uh, even tonight, when we were trying to set this up, it was like, all of a sudden my camera is just like, no. <laughs> you know, I've worked the past five days but I just don't feel like working today, you know? So, but we got that done and there might be some allergies happening and whatever, but I finally have Carl. I finally have Carl on the show. We've been trying to put this together for what, months? Yes. At this point. Um, so you guys, seriously, sorry about my shadiness on my side. What? There was shadiness on my side. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm going to try and like, I'll probably mute myself <laughs> while you're talking for a little bit, just because I'm so sniffly, it's horrible. Um, but anyway, so everybody, Carl's here, he's going to tell the story. Um, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for being on the show and putting up with all of the crap it took <laughs> to make this happen. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. All right. So Carl, I'm going to give you the floor. I'm gonna let you take it away and you know, just give us a little background about yourself and how everything happened and how you got into recovery and you know, your story basically. All right, well, in a nutshell, West Philadelphia, born and raised. I know I'm just playing. I, I am from West Philadelphia though, born and raised, obviously. Um, uh, grew up in a lot of poverty. I mean, where do I start? Um, the the story goes way back. It goes back even further. But so we'll start as far as I can remember. Um, grew up in a poverty neighborhood. Uh, learned the ropes, the tricks of the trades, at the wrong sides of the track, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Life. And um, at a very early age, I learned manipulation and how to do it. And um, the direct reason for that was because of my parents being crackheads. And, um, you know, just learned behavior, how they acted around me. And when they wanted to get high and, you know, get me out of their hair, they would give me anything I want, money for my favorite food. My friend lived literally right next hundred over a block away. So I could just go there and hang out. And they just give me whatever I wanted. And, um... You know, being that young and 
seeing them act and knowing and having that gut feeling something was wrong, but you didn't know what because of immaturity. Right, um, right. But you didn't know any better, you know, yeah, or any different, really. I learned how to play on that really, really easily, very fast. And it, um, it just, it, ah, man. All right, um, hey, never did a podcast before, so. Not stage, I'm just trying to give you a better perspective on. Right, right. So you really didn't have, excuse my coughing, by the way, everybody, you really didn't have like an example of different, you know? So it's like, even though maybe, because I believe that we're all born with this innate sense of right and wrong, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe some less than others, but we've all got it. <laughs> and so something says, you know, this isn't right. So, and we all know that it absolutely is possible to be passed down. Mm-hmm. You know, that addiction, it is possible that it's just, it's, it's there, it's up in the air, whether it's learned behavior or genetics, but the point is either way, you know, it, it can be passed down onto children. So of course you're going to learn to manipulate that situation. And that's going to help you in future manipulation later, you know, when you have to start dealing with your own addiction. So, um, when did you actually start experimenting or whatever yourself? Okay. So as far as experimentation goes, uh, I would have to say my first legitimate drug was nicotine. I was probably about, hmm, I was young. I want to say about 12 or 13. And I was, I was smoking a cigarette here, smoking a cigarette there. And I noticed I get this little fuzzy feeling in my head. And I'm like, ooh, okay, all right, that's different. And um, by that time, by 13, 14, my parents were in and out of rehab. Um, they were both in my life, loved me very much. But um, not the greatest, but not the worst of people. You know what I mean? And um, them being pretty absent the older I got in life, I started to find my own way. And um, once I started dabbling in drugs, I realized I like, I just fell in love with it, like completely. Right. And now, I, was that through school with friends or how did you start that? All of the above. School, mm-hmm. friends, neighborhood. It was just all around me, like 24-7. And um, it was, you know, innocent at first. It was just started out a little pot here, a little pot there. It just progressed. Snowball effect, you know? just mm-hmm. progressed kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and um i started dabbling in other things and um doing this for years and years i brought this into a marriage and um growing up looking after myself my whole life it was always me being number one and i took that mentality 10 years in a marriage and hindsight being 2020 and all that, looking back and I've been having these mental episodes. I might jump around a little bit, stop me and get me back on track. If okay, problem. no problem. But um, I've been having these mental episodes and breakdowns. And um, basically it's like due to the fact of like uh, taking accountability for like all of the damage that I've done throughout my addiction. Mm-hmm. And I've always considered myself a different kind of addict because like I was always able to just like stop whenever stuff got sketchy, like just stop like months at a time here and there, like usually no more than like six, four four to six months, I would say. Um, Sometimes it would be just laziness, not wanting to go get it. (laughs) Um, Right. Most of the fact was I was just a functioning addict, no matter what I did. I was just functioning. I can manipulate people, uh, keep people in certain corners and make them think I'm their best friend. And 
get what I want from them and then have them apologizing to me for stuff that I did to them. Right. And it, it was just like, huh? Oh, I just said right. Oh, okay. Oh, oh I thought you said like. Uh, was, all right. Yeah, so um, I would, man, I was just a bad person, really. Like, not like, you know, physically towards me, but yeah, but, yeah just the way I would handle situations and talk to people recently with these mental breakdowns. Um, I wasn't realizing when I was saying one thing, meaning something totally different, people would look at me funny, like, Hey, what's going on? Why you say that to me? And, um, me having that one man pack mentality, and just got to look after myself. Um, I always felt attacked when somebody called me on my own bullshit. So I would go into defense mode, and um, if I got really hurt, the people I love around me, I want them to hurt as much as I did. So I would say things to them, like mean things, and it would just hurt them. And the fact that I didn't even realize I was doing that and then coming to that realization, that's where the mental episodes started happening. And then I went through a period of time where, like, it was just like, I'm all I'm always scatterbrained. I'm all over the place. But this level of scatterbrain was like astronomical. Like I now how old it. were you at this point when when this is happening? Mental episodes? Mm-hmm. That was very recent. That was like the last like couple months. Okay. Okay. And um, the reason why is because um like I got a great woman in my corner. Like um I really do. I have a really great woman in my corner. And I always said it takes someone special to marry somebody like me. And um, she stuck by me, stuck by me through thick and thin, like a, a real marriage is supposed to be. And um, I just, I just lied to her over and over. And these lies that I would make, most of them were harmful to our marriage and our growth as a couple. But um, there was even a whole bunch of, lies that just didn't have anything to do with us wouldn't cause us any harm wouldn't cause us any good just make up stuff just a a, a habitual liar for no reason right like habit yeah it was just habit I would just do it and not realize I was doing it and I'm doing it for years and years and years and then (laughs) I see you sneezing (laughs) um doing that for years and years and years it was just um Second nature. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey. You gotta go out, buddy. I'm on a meeting. Okay, I got four. Oh, you got four? Oh. (laughs) You got your place locked up like four knocks. It's quiet around here. But, um, yeah, so back on track. Um, big kid, he got me all off topic. Um, scatterbrain all over the place. Sneezing again. I know, at least I haven't muted when it's happening though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. I got brain farts. Okay, so let's go back to, let's start around high school. So okay. when you're in high school, um, how far, like how old were you when you started on your addiction? Um, I actually on it like, rampaging addiction was after high school i would say like when it started to get closer right around the age like right around the grade where i dropped out at around 10th grade um after that i was way too cool for school <laughs> i was just All like right. yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this i'm out and um that's where it really took off as um being an individual on my own figuring out the streets and doing everything i had to do to take care of myself and um, I mean, if you ever read the book, Go Ask Alice, um, yeah, it was like a path like that, <laughs> but okay. like, it was crazy. It was, it was, it was crazy. The situations I put myself in and um, this, um, pretentious would be the wrong word to use, but this invincibility I felt I had, this imperviousness I had towards drugs. Have a high time. I can do abnormal amounts and still stand. 
was, I kind of wore like a badge of honor. I was just like, just the whole twisted sense of thinking. And, um, but they say kids are dumb like that, right? They, they're invincible and pervious to death and all that. And, um, you know, you get older and you have kids and you get married and that, that perspective changes a lot. For some, it don't. For me, I felt like it was like too late. I mean, I'm still here. She's still kicking me in the head when she needs to. She's a good right. woman. Now, is this this is uh, this the same woman that you've been married to? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, tell us about um, I guess getting married in active addiction. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm assuming that I don't know if she, I'm assuming she does not use. No, no, no. She does not. And did you keep it from her at the beginning, or? Well, she um, she knew I was a, a nefarious character in the beginning. And um, she always let me know if I was going to be with her, I need to, I need to, uh, you know, get my shit together. And um, she she made that very well known. She's a woman that gets what she wants, and she she would tell you directly what she wants. And um, I felt like I could give that to her. I really did, honestly. So uh, you know, I chose to. We chose to enter into this. And um. It was just a web of deception the whole time, literally. It really was. Um, the love was real between me and her. And I think that's the one reason why she stayed. Because she always knew when I said I loved her, that I loved her. And um, it just... Bringing that into a marriage, man. Like, she, she, she had this way of just knowing when I was off just knowing when I was off. And um, she called me out on it. Yeah, because we think we're masters at hiding it. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And um, so not. I, I'm pretty good, like better than most, honestly. Um, I told my job this, that I was addicted to meth. And um, I even told my wife, after she went through my phone, found out that I did a gram with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't perform right, and that's the only reason why things didn't go down. Gotcha. Hold <laughs> on, yo. Like I can, I can run it down. Like I can run it down, but uh, don't need to get in on. That I, she can always tell when I'm acting off. And um, I would tell, I would think of these lies on the fly and get everything off of the burner, everything's cool, everything gets good, and then it gets toxic, then it gets good, then it gets toxic. You know, it's um, it's repetition, and it's just bad repetition over and over and over, and um, I wouldn't notice when I'm getting caught up in these lies. I would try to go down in flames with it, and every time I, I just didn't want to do it no more, I just, I meant that. I really did mean it, and um, I just never could deliver on it. Except for like the past like eight months, n- almost nine now, almost nine months. Um, That's awesome. Out of I'll be thirty-eight in March. Out of almost thirty-eight years of living, I did almost nothing but lie to everyone I loved in my entire life. And um, when she threatened to leave, it opened up this doorway, and I knew how to take care of myself as an individual in an illegal way. But um, doing something as simple as balancing the checkbook was like a tedious task for me. Nobody right. used the checkbook no more. <laughs> you could do it all online. Like you could do everything like with technology. And it's just like the little things that a grown man or a grown woman should know, life skills, that hit me hard. Everything hit me really hard. And um, just like, Loving my kids the way I do, how she always told me I'm a good dad, and my willingness to just not be around any of the family. Right. I was present, but I wasn't. And um, it just it didn't didn't sit right with me after like I don't know. It was like the Matrix, you know. You you sitting there living a life that's not real, and then you wake up in this tube of grown man lights flashing and everything and. <laughs> 
right? And nobody taught me how to do any of this crap. And it's just like, how am I even alive this long? Right. But, um, you know, there's a reason. It's because I'm not done yet. I'm done with drugs. But I'm not done being an actual person, a good person. And um, that's all I want to be. Like, everybody knows I'm good, but the, the actions always contradicted it. Great. Like, great on a, a big scale. And I don't know, everybody is just like, there's something about him. Like, he's such a charismatic character. He's not a bad guy. But, um. But it was, you know, you it was pretty obvious you weren't living up to your full potential. Yeah, she always saw that potential in me that I never thought existed, ever. Like, just ever. And um, you mentioned earlier about us trying to set this up. And um, I was ducking you because I noticed like I took the sobriety so literal, like and everybody like got this thing where like, you know, somebody is hurting, the, the line is open. Send a video chat if you want, send a voice chat if you want, get that off your chest because you don't need to, you don't need to carry that. And um, I had a couple people tell me, yo, you stopped me from killing myself. Um, yo, like you're you're so awesome. And I'm just like, yo, I am not somebody you should really look up to like that. Like so, like it kind of like <laughs> it kind of scared me. And then the other, like um you know, I have heard that before. A lot of us say that a lot because we're so used to being the one that people are looking down on. It's like, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Why on earth put you you? Why? How am I a role model? You know? And it's just, it's unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. And it scared me. Like, because it was it, like, you're not the only person that asked me for a podcast. And I was just like, yo, why are people reaching out to me? I'm like freaking out. Now, I'm not a shy person at all. Say anything, get naked on camera, don't matter. I'm just like a spontaneous dude, but that scared the hell out of me. Like, right. And I mean, Carl, as much as I want views, <laughs> you know, we'll just, we'll keep our clothes on. <laughs> oh yeah no 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 we don't need to damage nobody's rent. we don't need to damage nobody but yeah no i think um you know the the two real common themes um of the people that i interview um one was never comfortable in my own skin like i didn't really know who i was mm -hmm. i was never comfortable being me there, there really was no me like i was just kind of whoever i was hanging out with you know, and the second one is like this self-defeating, self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I mean, just the fact that you've been able to maintain a marriage, you know, and a loving marriage is, you know, really a credit. And it's amazing because, and I, my husband and I are also one of those rare couples because I was in active addiction. He's a normie. He's never even smoked a cigarette, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know it's almost like we feel like we don't deserve this mm -hmm. you know we don't deserve good things and then we get into recovery and life starts changing and good things start happening and it really freaks us out yeah <laughs> i mean I, I couldn't believe it. i mean we got a whole house together we got two kids got three cars it's like where did this come from? And um, this always felt like I, I didn't, like you said, I just didn't deserve it. You know what I mean? And um, I don't feel that way anymore. She sees the way I act and how I am now. And um, it's different than it's been the 10 years. And um, like you said, not being comfortable in your own skin, that's, ex that's the perfect example. Like, I didn't even know who I was. Like, I didn't know who I was. I asked her something. I asked her what was her favorite color. And I asked her this a couple months ago. And um, she told me turquoise. Now, 10 years of marriage. I'm sure I had to have heard her say that. There's no possible way. I swear to God, when she told me that, that was the first time I ever heard it. And there's a lot of first time things that I know I've heard already that already hit me oh my big beast is coming <laughs> yeah exa exactly exactly you know um 
I don't have anything specific that I can really point out at the moment, but even now my, my husband will say, I told you that, you know, I told you that, when did you tell me that? You know, when, when did, you never told me that I never knew that. And it's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, come on, you're too big. So what, um, so you're almost nine months. That's awesome. What was your turning point? Cause I'm just, I'm going to put it like this, just to put it in context, because I mean, the marriage has lasted this long with mm. you and addiction. So what was the turning point where it was like, all right, this has to stop for real. The woman in my life does not deserve it. My kids don't deserve it. And I'm too damn old for this, man. Like I, I, I got no more, run, I got no more runs in me. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to work. It's more of a job trying to stay high than it is actually maintaining a job. It really is. It's, it really a, is. it's hard work trying to maintain stress. a habit. It is. <laughs> they think stress is a big killer. That's, that's, um, purpose that's stress on purpose you're just stressing yourself out doing that killing yourself um just right. what there was so there was no like event that happened where she was like all right look yeah, she, <laughs> said, she said this is the last straw i will pack them babies up go to texas that scared me to death now was that this last time that, that she found out about say it again was that this last time that she found out about with the meth? Yeah. Was like, yeah. That was the pivotal yeah. turning point in the drug use and ceasing to exist. Keep it very close, only for awareness. I, it's a lane that travels adjacent. <laughs> like, I don't ride in that lane no more. And, like, it's crazy. Like, I've heard stories where there's one in particular, dude, he had to lose his family like the entire family for him to stop. Oh yeah, that happens a lot. A like lot. he had to, and he was just like, he just he beat himself up for years about it too. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, yo, no matter what, no matter what, I would get things cool just to mess it up again. And then he was like, once they were gone and that's it, that was it. He was like, that's what I needed. It's like as cruel as that sounds. That's what he needed to straighten out. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, you know, like there's always somebody doing worse. Oh, always, right? always. I remember um, I knew a young lady and this had to be so heartbreaking because she told me about how her children were taken away uh, and they were put into foster care. And eventually she did. She lost her rights. And she ended up, I can't remember how this happened, but a couple of years later, she was living next door to the family that had her kids. Oh, wow. And she could look out the window and she could see, it was either next door or behind, you know, somehow, but she could see the backyard wherever she was. And just because I have kids and I had kids at that time, you know, they were really little and just the gut wrenching thought of my kids being right there. Yeah. And I, can't, I can't say a word. Can't have any yeah. contact. Can't. Yep. That, that really just, my heart broke for that, for that woman, you know, and, um, yeah, it was, it's sadly all too common, you know, so I'm really glad that you were like, you know what, this is just, this is so not worth it. And it's good to, I've, that's another thing I've heard before, like, I just don't, I don't have another one in me, you know, the next one's going to kill me, you know? Yeah, it's commonly and, said. Yeah. And I mean, because think about it like this, if our family leaves they're still alive. Yeah, I feel like that would definitely throw me off of the rails. I'm not a suicidal yeah. person, but that would be a downward spiral to work this hard to build this up to what this is. Right. 
Right. And but if we do that one more run that isn't in us. Yeah. We're we're dead. Yeah, you you, you know? play with dangerous fire. Yeah. You play with lava. Yeah, it's not just fire. You're right. It's, it's the floor is lava in real life. Slide past all the fire and go straight to lava. That's, right. that's exactly. Exactly. So since you've been in real, well, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. um, were there other times in your addiction besides now, you know, where you were like, that's it. I'm done. No, never. So this is the first time that you were like, for real, done. Um, I, like I said, when I stopped before, it was surely because like, you know, uh, I had to just to keep things cool right now. Or if I'm on a radar, just keep it, keep it cool for as long as you have to. And um, it was never really an issue, which is why I also kind of say like, it was always my choice to begin with, like to pick it up or to stop it. Like, um, the addiction is a very prevalent thing because you want more and I have an addictive personality, but um, ultimately I made the choice to start it and stop, stop far too late, but not too late. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah, too late is when the universe chooses for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, now that you're in recovery, so the past nine months. Uh-huh. How has, aside from being invited on podcasts, how has your life changed or improved or gotten harder even? Um, it's gotten equal. Um, uh, honestly, harder is not as hard as I thought it would be, but I'm still very resistant to change. Like um, um me, independency, man. I don't want to think about the fact that um, I might have to live without the woman I love by myself and share our kids. But the way I view that is a very selfish way. I don't have to because that's my woman. She should stick by me no matter what. And I can, I can totally see the dick in me fighting the good. Keep that woman by your side. She loves you. You can do whatever you want. You can be you. She'll love you for you. And she'll always and um, no. Now, how do you keep him at bay? I because keep him we, there are other guys that I have talked to who battle with that inner manipulative jerk. And I mean, not just guys, but it just recently happens to be guys. That inner manipulative jerk and the loving, genuinely, you know, cares for this woman and wants to be a good guy, guy. So how do you, yeah. how do you keep the other one at bay? Uh, by keeping them very close to me and talking to them, writing them down in that book. Hold up one second. Bet she's going to get the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as stuff gets tough, I don't write in it as like the first, yeah, the first, yeah, the first three, four months, man, I just loaded this book up. It's just pages. And then I kind of stop. And um, I'm still writing in it, but um, I'm slowing down now. I'm starting to put positive goals in, in with the story. Like it's a, it's a, it's a mixture of a whole bunch of stuff. Um, the, the very beginning, the struggle up until now, separation and um, keeping that dude at bay. Because um, I get angry and I'm not going to beat my woman, but I can twist some words up. I'm not going to beat my kids, but um, I can twist some words up. And um, I don't, nah. Mm -mm. I found out recently that since I don't want to do drugs, I don't need drugs. My kids. They balanced me out pretty good. And they've been seeing a lot of, my daughter in particular sees a lot of, I see a lot of me and her. And I've also taught her for, for like damn near 10 years now. Should be 10 years, October 20th. Oh, wow. 
she's been seeing this behavior since birth. So now I'm trying to break her up and she's getting a lot better because I'm talking to her and spending time with her, I'm engaging her with activities and stuff. And um, it, it's a struggle still. It's a real struggle. And um, that is another thing that makes me not, I can't turn back now. I can't. I can't. Because if I lose them, like, what was all of this for? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right, it really, right. It it's really not, they're definitely getting old enough to notice. Yeah, it's really, it really would be a waste. All of that time, whether bad or good, that's a waste when it, it all went this long just to be done. Right. And I can't go out like that. I got to be the best version of myself. Right. Now, what else has um, changed being in recovery for you? Um, I'm starting to make friends with list, <laughs> writing important things down and staying, <laughs> staying consistent. That is a very big change for me. Staying consistent in a positive way like this. Right now, I'm trying to take on a role of running a, running a household. And, um, I think very highly of women, but I also kept a very 1950s vibe undertone. Like, if she tells me she wants me to breadwinner, that means she wants to be at the house. So if she wants to be at the house, she's going to be taking care of the kids. That is all. That is a hard job, and it's a thankless job. Nobody ever thanks their mother or their woman in their life for doing all the stuff that nobody would do. Yeah. Yeah, somebody figured it out and it comes out to something like at the bottom end, a stay-at-home mother with all the duties that she has would earn around $80,000 starting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, make that, make that even six figures. This woman did this for years. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, she'd be up to six figures now because she just started at 80 grand. Yeah. So like... <laughs> She gives me her little. She she gives me her little um, strategies of how she was how she was working it working it out and um. It works, <laughs> you know. What I mean, like it does, and it's just like, I just got to get out of my own way. You know, as addicts, that's what we do. We're good at it. We get in our own way all the time. Exactly. And um, I'm just not trying to do that no more. You know what I mean? And um. Also, things aren't working as fast as I want because I'm in Aries and I want what I want and I want it now. So like, you know, everything has to be learned. Everything has to take time. It's a process. And I'm very impatient. Yeah, well, I think that comes along with addictive personality. It's so funny yes. because it's not yes. just about wanting more. It's I want it yesterday. Yeah. I don't want to wait for it, mm -hmm. you know? And my husband is a thinker. Mm -hmm. and I'm a let's just do it so it actually balances that because I keep him from like never making a move and he keeps me from like buying the wind chime store that's going out of business so that we can sell wind chimes you know or whatever so it, it all works out that true story by the way hey I hear you like what kind of jerk doesn't like wind chimes yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're very impatient people. Like so impatient. I mean, she's impatient too, but like it's like on a normal level. I'm like, <laughs> I'm extra super hyper turned up. Right. Volume at, you know, 19. Max. And it's just like, man, this is that's too much effort. I'm trying to get, I'm getting older. I'm trying to get away from most effort. So I just got to work a little harder to get to that end game. You know what I mean? Right. Now, what do you do? To maintain your sobriety, to maintain your clean time. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Um, actually, keeping the damn car spotless. And now I'm working on getting the house in order with that. Now, um, so far it's like day number one, two with the kitchen, and it's still great. <laughs> but consistency. I got to keep this up. Next, I'm going to work on um more the basement tomorrow, and We'll go from there all while still like taking on the life stresses that come because I need to get back to work as well so right right I got, a, I got a contingency plan for that which I'll put in effect tomorrow you know for me I can do stuff but so does the rest of America right right 
So, um, yeah, I mean, it's working. I'm, I'm keeping a very optimistic view, whereas um, just a few months back, before, just before the mental breaks, man, I just, even though I was clean, I was still ready to lie, man. Right. Oh, that's right. At the beginning, you kind of jumped ahead, but I think we're there now. You were telling us about, now explain these, what, what do you, when you say mental breaks, what do you mean? What's been happening? God, it was so crazy. I still get, I still have um the anxiety, but um, oh man. Okay, so like, I like to keep the truth, just that the truth. What I wasn't doing was admitting truths that was like really things that I didn't see or believe. Mm -hmm. And once I put two and two together and sit and get different perspectives, and I see what everyone is saying is right it started making me feel like I was literally going insane, like literally going insane. I reached out to a couple of addicts and my uncles in particular. And I said, yeah, why is it so easy to like stop drugs? But I can't stop lying, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, because yeah. you're, you're dealing with stuff without drugs. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. So they're like, oh, you think about it. It's not easy quitting. Because that's how I cope. That's how I manage everything. Right. Numb it all out, smooth things over. And then when the ground re-breaks over winter, get the construction crew to repave it over summer. It's mm -hmm. a good way to put it. <laughs> that's exactly right. what I did over and over and over again. And um, being able to want to see that recognize it, accept it, and then try to shift that in a way opposite direction of what that is, which is positive. Yeah, man, that, that it was a shocker for me that like, yeah, that, that, that was the catalyst in all of that. So like I start, I, people would ask me things and I would get, start to stutter and I would, blah, 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 to the point where I would say a word, try to say a word, something totally different would come out, or I couldn't even speak at all. And that feeling felt like I took a class, and it was one teacher in a class, one student, me, and he taught me how to forget the English language. Huh. Taught me how to forget how to speak. That's the only perfect example I can give you to what that felt like mentally because hmm. like you would ask me something and if it was like something that I'm ready to lie about and I'm already in the process of rewiring myself not to lie I would get so choked up that when I would speak I can give you a quick rundown of what it looked like I would go like this and I would go And then things would get super loud and I had to like kind of cower away, shut completely down. Mm -hmm. And then tense anxiety would happen where her heart feels like it's about to explode, deep breaths. You know, my dog, when she came up, how she was licking me, it felt like somebody was sticking needles in my skin when she did. So yeah, that, I ain't like that. <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah. Yeah, it's almost like um, the habit of lying is so strong. Yeah, man. I don't know how to talk without. I just didn't lying. know. So what I started doing, <laughs> I started, I started um, what I call leaving breadcrumbs for myself. I'll put myself in these situations that would force me to lie, after everybody knew what to look for. And um, it helped. And yeah. I was talking to a good friend of mine's too. And um, he was giving me a lot of cool strategies on how to combat this, which also confirmed my awesome, my awesome woman's point. Like I was getting wrapped up over the notion that I could pro possibly need a narcotic drug to not have these mental breaks. And that was bothering me. Right. And then I out you, didn't, you could take medicine that'll stabilize you and there's no habit forming stuff in it. I didn't know that was a real thing ever. <laughs> I felt like that level of crazy yielded something very strong. 
and that something very strong would probably be something that I like, which would then conflict with my goal. Right, right. So I just, I overthought and didn't think enough about what was important. Right. Now, are those, have they kind of calmed down now? Yeah, I'm still there a little. Mm -hmm. It's not big as, as it was, but um, it's still there. It's still noticed to be there. But um, I just, the, for, for this to work, I got to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Keep tracking right. forward. And I got to keep getting uncomfortable with it. Exactly. It, that's what I tell people because um, all the time I'll tell them, you do something uncomfortable. You realize you can do it and your comfort zone just grew a little. And then you do something else uncomfortable and you realize, oh, I could do that too. Your comfort zone just grew a little more, a little more. And eventually you're not scared of anything because you've taught yourself that even if I fail, nothing explodes. I don't die. You know, it's like, I'm still okay. But now my comfort zone's bigger. And it's so big that when people go, hey, you want to try this? You're like, sure. I might avoid you for two months. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, that was okay. I see that jab. I heard that. <laughs> but you do it and then you do it. And it's like, the next time somebody goes, dude, you want to be on my podcast? You'd be like, sure. <laughs> because you've done it, you know, and you came out alive. So at least so far, we're not quite done yet. But, you know, I, I, it's looking good. Ah, <laughs> oh, great. I'm glad I can help. Yeah, because like I'm, I'm real big on that. Like, I, I feel like people should tell their stories, man. Like, you, you can't keep it in. You can't keep it in. You got to get it out. And I'm always ready to talk. And I talk a lot. Sometimes I should probably talk less. And then I just get all. Uh, yeah, I'm an overshare. I'm a but, total um, overshare. But yeah, that that works really good for me. Get just, yeah, I really like to just, when somebody's feeling bad, just build them up. Mm -hmm. Build them up a little. You know what I mean? And um, it makes a difference. It really does. Been doing that with my wife lately too, you know, saying nice things to her, meaning it, following through with just you know things, just let her know I'm thinking about, it. and um, that feels real good to want to do that, and it right. also feels real shitty to not realize that you wanted to do it but was so unwilling to do it because you just you want to not deal, with it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because for a long time it was us first, yeah, me first. My addiction first. What I need to get for me first. And if there's anything left for you, you're welcome to it. It's, it's weird. This COVID messed people up. It was like, you know, either they were trapped in the house and got tired of each other and ended things. Or like me, like the shutdown was nice. I think I had like one beer. Didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. didn't do anything I, I started drawing again drawing on sneakers again nice I like and then I went back to work and I got all depressed again I was like oh man <laughs> and I'm just like ah get over it you know what I mean right well some for some of us quarantine was you know the one of the best things that ever happened and for some of us it was I I felt really bad for the people that got clean during quarantine. However, the ones that did that staying clean, hopefully will be a lot easier. Yeah. You know, because you did it. People died. Huh? It's an eye opener too. A lot of people died. Yeah. A lot, man. And, um, I've never witnessed, I've heard stuff in books, you know, black death and all that. It's just like, yeah, we live, we're living through a historical moment right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if they were able to get clean and maintain clean time through the crazy and the isolation and everything else, you know, it's like, hopefully it gets easier for them, yeah. you know, but that's that I, I admire 
people that got clean during COVID. I really do. Because. Yeah, yeah it's tough out there. Yeah, because it's not like you could just go to a meeting or go yeah. be, you know, social with people who are like-minded or, you know, you basically had, it unless, unless you did it right, where you could use that time to better yourself. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it was just, I'm stuck with myself and I'm sitting around thinking. Yeah. You know? Sometimes those are the loudest thoughts, the one when you're all by yourself. Yep. And then we start getting good ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's a great idea. Right. And they're not so great. Mm -hmm. so, um, so when do you hit the nine month mark? Um, what is it? Um, did I hit it already? I don't know. Oh yeah. The first, yeah. The first I hit it already. I'm so All bad. Right, okay. Congratulations. I'm uh, you know, a couple days late, but yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, practically I'm at 10 months at this point that's really awesome that's very cool that's crazy almost a year man yeah yeah but one day at a time almost a year but one day at a time i'm definitely not going to toot my horn on it <laughs> well carl i'm really glad that we finally made this happen and even with you know i'm sorry everybody the sneezing and the allergies and the COVID, i could not believe it but i was like no we're doing this I will sneeze through it, but it's happening. Um, but yeah, just, you know, thanks for sharing your story and a little bit of hope with some people and your experience in different things too. You know, we have no idea how we're going to impact somebody's life, life, life. The life. story does not end there, man. It's long. You ever want another one? Let me know. I like, I like getting that stuff off the chest. Maybe I can get dive into the book a little more next time. Give you a little oh, yeah. more perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, we can definitely, uh, you know what, when you hit your year, we'll do a follow up. How's that? All right. That sounds good. That sounds real good. Actually. That'd be really cool. And, you know, I, again, I really appreciate it. Um, that is going to do it for us at the recovery scene. Um, remember to like and subscribe. And yeah. remember, addiction isn't pretty, but recovery is beautiful. And we will see you all next time.